0: introduce our guest speaker today as we all know Kevin's been on sabbatical for a while now and he's you know he's got that last four weeks but we still got some special guests that are coming in and it is an honor to introduce a friend of this house his name we know him as Chad Bailey and Chad Bailey he has been here I think a couple times before and taught us but uh, it is such an awesome experience as your missions pastor to grow in relationship with Chad, because one of the things that I've learned about Chad is this, is that he is a man of perseverance. He's a man of great character, and, and I really, and we as a staff really love uh, Chad and the Bailey family. And uh, things to know about Chad, he has uh, been married to his high school sweetheart, Ryan, who was just leading worship for 20 years, and they have three kids, 18, 16, and seven, uh, Chad has been in pastoral ministry for over 20 years. He graduated from B.H. Carroll. He serves currently as lead pastor at the Mill Church, Mill Community Church. Uh, it's actually one years old um, in Salina, Texas. So can we give God praise for the church that God has planted? And one of the awesome things that I get to do is I get to sit down with Chad every now and again for lunch. And one of the most amazing things I love to see that he does is every time we have a server who comes around us, he always asks, before we pray and talk about what we have to talk about, he says, what can we pray for, for the server? And the server has that opportunity to express some of the needs. And I always find that to be in a profound, amazing thing that he does because he is a man that cares about the body of Christ and people coming to the Lord. Amen to that. So, if you could help me in welcoming Chad Bailey.
1: Trajan. Uh, yeah, her name was Sophia. Uh, this past week we had lunch. Um, thank you, Patrick. Uh, And thank you. This is an opportunity just to to be together and to say thank you for all that you do. Some of you don't know what you're doing uh, as a church in terms of your support for our new church. Um, But you need to know that uh, we are a year old, a year and four, five weeks. But even a year prior to that, a year and a half prior to that, you guys were resourcing, encouraging Financially supporting, uh, just the the launch and the runway leading up to the first Sunday morning of a new church, right? You guys realize it starts way before that, and you guys were around for a lot of that story. Uh, Your pastor, if you don't know, uh, Kevin and I have been friends, and our families, our wives, and our kids have been friends for, I think we did the math a minute ago, 15 years. Um, And so close, close friends. He is in my short list, if not in some ways at the top. Uh, accountability partner friend encouragement we pick up right where we leave off when we're with the Boids. Uh so you should know that your pastor is an awesome friend uh, he's a great pastor and an inspiration encouragement to me as a man of God and as a pastor so I like to kind of brag on him this is kind of what you're supposed to do as a guest preacher uh, but I, I, I would do it anyways trust me I, I would tell you to this I would tell you this in the hallway if I got you um, he is a, you should know that about your pastor and Patrick's become a, a great friend as well uh, before we, we get into Psalm 23 that's your, your clue by the way I, I want to put a few pictures up on the screen and kind of just give you a quick glimpse. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, But here's a quick glimpse of how the Lord is moving in and through the Mill Community Church up in Salina. Uh, Kind of just in no particular order. We'll do like a spiral, okay, starting with the top left. That's a a new family. We've Introduced a handful of new members uh, over the course of a year, but that's a, the, the newest member family that we uh, introduced to the church at our one-year anniversary. Uh, that's a glimpse of our second annual men's retreat up there. So we're, we're gathering as men weekly, and we, we're doing annual things, making disciples of our of our men. Uh, top right is a booth that we do in downtown Salina, just really making an effort to engage with our community. We, we met, I think, close to 300 families. Uh, That particular very long day, Um, but awesome. We've done that several times. Continuing the spiral, that's the launch of our fall women's Bible study. Um, And and they'll have anywhere between, I think they had 12 or 13 this past week, just making disciples of our women. And um, the the bottom picture there is us in our church kind of rallying around the fire station number one. I serve as the uh, chaplain, one of the chaplains for our fire department. I've actually been with Patrick at a training for one of those, but our our church family, faith family, put together a a huge meal. It was way too big uh, for station one, and then uh, that is us baptizing a young man named Ethan on our one-year church anniversary. And then in the middle there, that's a picture of Eva, and she's the same age as our church basically, within like a day or two. And so it was cool to take a, a picture of her behind the little film top of our church birthday cake. Uh, so so there, there's more to say, but can we just thank God and can I just thank you for all he's doing in and through the mill? Ready? Go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, hey, listen, I know the Bible has a lot to say about unity, so I hate to be that guy, but raise your hand if you've already decorated for, for Christmas. A few of you. We have. Uh, no, keep them up. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. This is a place of grace. So all, there's not very many. We, we are fully decorated as, uh, at, at our home inside and out. Our, all of our bins are actually already in the attic, not to brag, but kind of but to brag. Um, but, but if you haven't yet, there's plenty of time. We haven't listened to Christmas music yet. Right. We're not animals, right? Uh, but, but we do decorate early. This is probably the earliest we have decorated. The truth is, you have plenty of time. Um, however, if you are, uh, so that's the decorations, the music will come later. But if you're a Hallmark person, a Christmas Hallmark thing, what you don't have time for unless you start today is to watch all of the Christmas uh, at-home themed movies so here's a list of all the different hallmark movies about home for christmas or every possible variation of that as far as i understand these are all six or seven very different movies with the very same plot of course (laughs) time for you to come home for christmas that's one somebody keep track for me time for us to come home for christmas time for them to come home for christmas and then they really mix it up. A homecoming for the holidays. Uh, home for Christmas Day. And then there's probably more. This is the last one I found. Coming home for Christmas. No, I have not already said that one. Like these are all every possible variation of coming home. And so as we think about this time of year, that's very obvious. Uh, that's kind of what we do. We, we go home, Thanksgiving included, and certainly Christmas. Uh, and, and for you, depending on the travel or the family dynamic, Uh, Going home for the holidays may not be as romantic as in the movies, uh, but we have to admit there's something to that, right? There's something, and it's more than just nostalgia. There's something to, we have to admit, as much as we can't relate to the movies, we don't own a small business and meet a cute foreigner and, and get married within a month's time, which is how all the movies go, sorry. It may not be that romantic, but we have to admit there's something about going home. Yes? There's something about it. Even if it hurts, it hurts so bad because it should be special. So there's something about it. Hallmark has not cornered the market. In fact, we're going to read a familiar passage of Scripture that, that probably does the most to pull out the sweetness of going home, better than any Hallmark movie or any other movie we might be able to watch or, or, any, or any any Christmas song we might hear this season. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go to Psalm 23. And I want to emphasize that the very end of of what might be a very familiar passage, and if it's not familiar, if this is your first time in church or, or reading Psalm 23, listen, you're the lucky one today. Good for you, because this is familiar, and sometimes we miss the sweetness because of how familiar it is. It kind of becomes furniture. So let's read Psalm 23 and see it crescendo with this eternal hope of going home. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You can read it with me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here's the crescendo. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. One way to read Psalm 23 is as a like from verse one to six. Even though we'll focus on the very very end, the second half of verse six. One way to read the whole psalm is as an annual twelve month four season grazing program of the shepherd. Look with me at your copy of God's Word. Maybe you'll kind of pull this out. Don't have time to go into all of it, but in the spring, verses one through three and a half. Uh, We see the green pastures. We see the the still water. Spring has sprung. There's there's plenty of grass to walk in, plenty of things to eat. The water is still. Going from spring to summer, we see the dangers of the valley. Why? Because the ice, the snow is melting, making those valleys susceptible to flash floods, not to mention predators. Predators. Uh, However, that those kind of do their thing and and that the heat of the summer, that the shepherd leads the sheep up to the high mesa top where a a feast, a a table is prepared. Yes, there's enemies, but he protects us and so we eat. However, summer is also fly season, so what does he do? He anoints the sheep's head with oil in part to protect all the orifices, the nose, the eyes, the ears from uh, flies laying eggs in those parts of the body causing great harm to the sheep. Then we move into fall, and fall in Psalm 23 is about as long as fall in Texas is. So we get like half a verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How was this fall? Well, it kind of makes sense to us. Fall is thanksgiving. We, we look back. We, we talk about what we're grateful for. The sheep have walked with the shepherd long enough now, right, to be able to look back and say, I have an idea how this thing will be all the rest of my days because I've, I've walked with him long enough to see how faithful he's been all year long so far so there's this fall reflection and then verse 6b our focus this morning is winter going home for winter and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever winter at the home ranch of my owner my shepherd you see that And so one saw when a commentator pastor who was a shepherd and a pastor, and yes, they mean the same thing. Pastor in a church and he was pastoral in his vocation as a sheep herder. He writes this in his commentary on Psalm 23, Philip Keller. This is a coming home, verse 6b. This is a coming home. It's a return to the fields, the corrals and the barns and the shelters of the owner's home. During all the seasons of the year, with their hazards, dangers, and disturbances, it is the shepherds, the, the ranchers, alertness, care, and energetic management that have brought the sheep through all year long, satisfactorily, safely. As a sheep, this is what David wants. This is what the whole psalm is pointing to, from verse 6 all the way to verse six, verse 1 to 6b. But it's more than that. It's more than just what David wants as a sheep The shepherd wants this just as bad in ways that the sheep don't even know it. Here's a glimpse of our shepherd's joy of us returning home at the winter heavenly ranch. Watch
2: this. Guys, My sheep, sheep, they very much did a lot of damage to take care of this grass behind them. You see, um, they had nothing anymore to kind of enable so it's time for me to bring them in to their permanent shelter. Let's but go, let's go, sheep. Yeah, there we go, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Go, guys, go, go, let's go. <laughs> they are going home. <laughs> They're leaving me. <laughs> They're going. They are heading towards home. They know it my sheep sheep left me oh boy, I will go close up a little bit I made it over here and now as you can see my sheep are in here now this is the mostly their area when it's winter and here's my here. I have them here now inside so I think uh, they are happy hello hello big boy hello spirit what's up you're happy boy are you happy boy now you are good boy little ilonga right there little ilonga you are home this is my little ilonga since my little ilonga is out there and this is what my sheep, sheep will be that's beautiful ship sheep look at that beautiful Beautiful sheep-sheep. Hello, sheep-sheep. I'm so happy to see them here inside. Uh-huh. There's my predator doggy-doggy there. You're back. Where are you?
1: <laughs> my predator doggy-doggy there. I'm so happy to have them home. She makes it easy, but you see the joy that the shepherd has to know that they've done their circuit and now they're back. This is just a glimpse For a couple reasons, not the least of which is whenever spring comes again, what's going to happen with those sheep? Out they go again, right? And one day, I don't know if they're gone for weeks or months, a full year like Psalm 23, but David, on the other hand, is referring to a forever hope with God. And I believe verse 6 has for us this morning a reminder of the Christian's priority and our perspective, that we would would be encouraged here to, to long for eternity with God in the way that I think we felt during the music, and that we'd be encouraged to live in light of eternity with God. Our priority as believers, the the number one ultimate desire that we have, and a perspective as believers. Let's look at the longing for eternity with God, our Christian priority. Longing for eternity with God. Question, what is the focus of Psalm 23? Hypothetical. What's the the focus uh, of Psalm 23? I'll give you a hint. It's not a what, it's a who. I believe the this focus of Psalm 23 is not necessarily the sheep's experience as much as it is the shepherd. Look back on your copy of God's Word. I think we'll have it on the screen as well. But notice with me, 13 different times the shepherd is explicitly mentioned in this psalm. There's, there's nothing good for the sheep outside of being with or in the presence of the shepherd. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd. Easy enough. Okay? It's called Psalm 23. The Lord Yahweh is my, my shepherd. We know what it's about. But, but watch 12 more times explicitly referring to him, our shepherd. He makes me lie down. I don't just lie down. He compels, causes me to lay down. He leads me. Okay? He restores my soul in a way that only he can. He leads me again. You'll be interested to know that's a different kind of leading. That we don't have time to go into. But he's leading me in all the ways my soul and my, my, my feet need to be led. Uh, and he does so for, for my name's sake. No, for his name's sake. For his glory. His glory always equals my good. And all God's kids said, amen. Uh, I, I, I'm not afraid in the valley. Not just because I'm courageous. But because you, he, is with me. It's not just any rod or staff that would provide uh, correction or guidance. It's, it's the rod being in his hands he prepares a table in a way that only he can he anoints and protects my my head my my life my faith in a way that only he can surely goodness and mercy it's not just any word for mercy it's the word hesed Uh, you know how like agape in the greek is like a god kind of love hesed in the hebrew is like a god kind of loving kindness it's a covenant loving kindness that's the word for mercy has said, And then it's not just any home ranch we want to go to. Whose house do we want to finally, ultimately be at? His house, why? Because who's there? He's there. I think Psalm 23 is about the contentedness of the sheep. It is about the blessed experience of the sheep who walk with the shepherd. But there is nothing good in Psalm 23 outside of the sheep being in the presence of their shepherd. The psalm is about being with, a longing, a desire to be with the shepherd. David writes something very similar in Psalm 27, verse 4. It's almost identical word for word. He says, One thing I have asked, uh, I, I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. One thing I ask. And I don't just ask for it. He's saying, I seek after it. This this is a a gut level desire that we might go so far as to use the word longing. What does he want to do? He wants to live in the presence of God and gaze on his beauty. I, I love in the Psalms, other Psalm writers, I believe David has one as well, where they talk about how lucky the birds are. Have you read these? How lucky the birds are to be able to make a nest up in the corners or the archways of the temple. It's, it's so strange to, to compare yourself to a bird, but they have unique access. No one's going to shoot them away, or if they do, it's going to be a while. And they're going to have at least temporary residence this close from the very presence of Creator God. I wish I were a bird, right, to have that kind of access. We, we long for things. Uh, and whenever we, we, we don't typically use that word long, but just kind of sit in this for a minute with me to long for something. What does that look like? The long for something goes beyond uh, taste buds and the lunch that you might be tempted to say you're longing for today. You would just say, I I desire that, I want that. It goes beyond taste buds, it goes beyond nerve endings and just normal earthly desires. Longing is a sort of desperation. Longing typically has love related or connected to some person that we, again, we would say we long for in that unique way where it kind of hurts to be apart to be away there's a desperation a a soul level ache does that make sense as much as it can This, this is the unique word reserved for this category of desire to be in the presence of God and I think for this to make full sense to us for us to really see how how weighty this is for David to say that we need to look at where he did actually dwell he wasn't in a slum. He wasn't living in a in a cardboard box. For for David to say this means if he can say it, we can say it, right? I know we live in Collin County. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're top 1, 2, 3% of the world, but he was a king. David was a king. He lived in a place called the city of, anybody know? David, it was named after him, and it might have looked a little bit something like this. Here's kind of an old school diagram. Here's a a sign that you'll see as you go in. And it's actually different than than Jerusalem proper, a little bit southwest down Mount Moriah with its own walls and boundaries and borders is the city of David. And here in the city, kind of top uh, or or bottom right, still being excavated. In fact, that's where they're kind of focusing all their excavation or a lot of it right now is, is unearthing lots of great, amazing artifacts in the city of David other civilizations that were actually on top of it and so they're getting through that and then they're getting to like biblical era city of David being excavated as we speak but bottom left might be a diagram of kind of what that looked like uh, Jerusalem and the temple might even be kind of out of the picture on the bottom left but look at the top right that would be uh, that that's someone's palatial estates we don't know who it is based on what they've unearthed there that was a palace of some sort right so here David is And today, it doesn't look like much. It looks like a bunch of rocks. But back then, this was an elevated. uh, It had its own border walls within the border walls. This was a palace. Someone of royalty lived there, and it very likely could have been King David. So whenever we hear these words, I ask the Lord for one thing. I seek after it to dwell in the house of the Lord. He's saying that in a place with with the the highest quality materials and, and the highest... Uh, a a place that everybody would look at him and say, I would love to live there. And he's saying, no, 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 I would love to live here. I dwell on this. Uh, I I think about it. I long for dwelling with and just gazing on his beauty. He's a king who lived in a palace in a city named after him. He he longed for, in an earthly sense, wanted for nothing. And then how does verse 1 of Psalm 23 even start? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wants. And you could kind of understand that, interpret that to be, I lack for nothing. I want for nothing. Again, Psalm 23 is about the contentedness of the sheep of God. And yet here he is, same guy who would say, yes, on an earthly plane, I lack for, want for nothing. And yet there is this one thing there is this one thing. In fact, I don't just want it. I seek after it. I long for it. As a sheep, I think David is telling us, as good as the green pastures are. Anybody in here experience the green pastures of spring in the Christian life with God as our shepherd? Anybody in here experience the, the still waters of refreshment with God as our shepherd in the Christian life? Yes? Uh, we, we experience the tabletop, the feast, the provisions and protections in the Christian life. And as great as those things are, David is saying, I long for the winter ranch. I long for home. None of the good takes the edge off this thing that I feel down here, that I long for, seek after, and want more than anything. Paul kind of stumbles on this idea in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to leave that up there for a minute. I think when you look at the word citizenship, it's implying that I'm not currently at home where I belong. In fact, C.S. Lewis, on this idea of going home to be with God, he says it's not so much a going there, but a going back, a returning and we've never been there yet. And yet, at a heart level, we have the Spirit of God who cries, Abba, Father. That's what the Bible says, right? So there, there's kind of a love for God that we can't really first put our finger on because He's put our, His Spirit in us to kind of cause us, compel us from a heart level to love Him. As we walk with Him, we can put our finger on more and more why we love Him, His character, His goodness, His faithfulness. Makes sense? There's some sort of X-factor, mysterious cause, first cause whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit that makes us love Him. I think the same is true whenever we read about our heavenly citizenship, that there's something in us that makes us long for home. And as C.S. Lewis says, it's not so much passing one day or Him returning one day and us going. No, no, there's there's this sense of going back where I belong, where I am truly a citizen. So there's this heart-drawing, for the Christian filled by the Holy Spirit. It just begs the question for us, what do we long for? What do you seek after? Can we say with the sons of Korah, who are kind of like the Levitical worship leaders of the Old Testament, can we say with the sons of Korah in Psalm 84, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere? But Disney's fun. And Breckenridge, Colorado is Beautiful. And my couch is really comfortable. And that restaurant serves delicious quesadillas. We could go on with more serious desires. But can we say here, your courts, where the Lord's presence dwells. If we just sit in that for a minute. Again, I think we got a glimpse of it during our worship, our singing. Is just a day there better than a thousand elsewhere? Why? Because who's there? God. God. Can we say, with Paul in Philippians 1, and you guys just got off of a series uh, about missional living, and we should be on mission living intentionally in this life, but listen to what Paul says about missional living and this concept of going home to be with God. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, right? Fruitful missional living for your sake. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. (laughs) I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire, and then he makes a choice, obviously. My desire, my, my deepest, ultimate, and this is not escapism. You with me? There is a longing for relationship with God. And as, 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 as much as I want to be in service to him in this life, make no mistake. I want to be with him. So he makes a decision, says, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. For that is far better. Far better, long for, eagerly await. This is a desire that is unmatched, unrivaled by anything our taste buds, nerve endings, or worldly desires could ever compete with. As we'll sing in just a minute, how I long to look on the one who bled and saved me and walk with him for all eternity. Talk about this priority of the Christian life, this ultimate desire and affection, this longing to be with Him. We'll sing that here in just a minute. Verse 6b also encourages us not just to long for heaven, because we do have missional living to get to. Uh, We do have the the daily uh, Christian life to live out. And So this verse also reminds us to do so in light of eternity, through the lenses of eternity, but not just eternity. What does the rest of the slide say? Eternity with God that's where this whole story goes right we start with God making man Adam and Eve in the garden and and they walked together in the cool of the day was God's dwelling place with man at the beginning yes or no the answer is yes yes will God's dwelling place be with man at the very end like we just read yes or no and so what's he doing in the meantime in the meantime he is getting rid of our spiritual enemies called sin and death to rid us of death, that we might live with him forever, to rid us of sin, so that we can't mess it up again. And He will redeem us, forgive us, save us, call us to himself, put us on mission, and then one day bring us home, glorifying us so that we will no longer uh, experience the, the, the pressures, the penalty of sin, or even the very presence of sin. That's where it started. That's where it's going. And he's taking a sweet, precious time in the middle. And yet we are encouraged to live this life in light of Him putting all things right again and dwelling with us forever. Like the sheep, we know a little something about anxiety and fear. Don't you see that in Psalm 23? He makes me lie down. Well, well big whoop. Well, you didn't know me before I, lay, I was laying down. I was anxious. Right? The sheep know a little something about anxiety or fear or danger or exhaustion. We like the sheep. We read Psalm 23 not just because it's beautiful, but because we can relate. Yes, we can relate. And so we know a little something about this, and yet we have the very same hope they have in verse 6b to live with God, to dwell with God one day fully, finally, and forever. In verse 1, we saw that there is no thing in this life so good that it would take the edge off of our ultimate desire to be with Him. We long for eternity with him. The second point, we see that there is nothing so difficult or so bad in this life that it wouldn't be worth it considering our destination. Anybody driven to Breckenridge? I mentioned how beautiful it is. We'd love to go to Breckenridge as a family, but this is kind of what you're faced with whenever you go to Breckenridge. You've got to stare down the barrel of Google Maps and get from green to elevated green, and in the middle is West Texas. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you doing that for you or for us? Right. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. If it weren't for the Dairy Queens, right, uh, the speed traps and, and the brown ground and the flat stuff, uh, man, it would be all but worth it except for the destination, right? If it weren't for Breckenridge, not even the Dairy Queens would help, right? Though they kind of God's little grace along the way. The destination is worth it, but man, it's nice to have a little reprieve. But, but you take those out, it's not even a question. We're really struggling to get there. And yet all we have to do is think about what it looked like. Think about our time together, the cool weather, the hiking, the experiences, the, the majestic mountains, right? And we consider the drive worth it. Why? Because of the destination. Because of the destination. It, it's, it's worth it. Can I just say something out loud that we sometimes don't say because it doesn't sound Christian or spiritual? Ready? And like, I'm even a pastor. Ready? Life is hard. Can we just exhale that for a second? It's good. It's marked by tons of beauty. That There, there is reward. Many things along the way. Dairy Queen's to make it worth it. But life is hard. The responsibilities we have. The unexpected curveballs we've got to deal with. The broken relationships that we've got to navigate. And then we turn and we contribute to the brokenness ourselves. The decisions we've got to make and the dominoes that fall as a result of the decisions we make. If you have kids, right? Life life is hard. There's a grind that just, it can be grueling. Does that sound unspiritual? Does it sound like I don't love Jesus or have hope? Because I do. I'm just observing something. I'm just observing. And here we see that if we can honestly observe that, that we would look at our destination in a way that maybe we ought to more often. I I can almost imagine that the new sheep as part of the flock, right? You know this guy probably bought some new sheep starting in the spring. Probably happens every year. And I can imagine the new sheep who don't know the shepherd, haven't walked with him a time or two, and I can imagine them complaining uh, just about little things here and there because it's all they've known. They don't know the shepherd yet. They, they've not made a full, a full cycle and returned to the winter ranch yet. And you can almost imagine them. Hey, I, 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 can you believe this guy? I, I was in line second for that little pond and he, with, he, he stuck his, his uh, rod underneath my, my stomach and just kind of nudged me third in line. I was second in line. Or I was, I was headed toward this really beautiful green patch of grass and I just got smacked in the back of the head with that club that he has in his hand. Can, can you believe this guy? Why are we going that way? I, I saw a path that looked a little bit easier that way. I mean, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. I, I've, I've got pretty good confidence I know where to go. Or we, we were in such danger in that valley. Can you believe he took us through the valley? All these complaints about a sheep that doesn't know the shepherd, walking with the shepherd for the first time. And I can only imagine the seasoned sheep saying, it's worth it. Trust me. We, we've been this way before. Not only have we been this way before, but, but when we get home, you, you, you have not seen pins and corrals like this guy's got. You, you've never rested like this guy will let us rest or been pampered or fed the way that we will be. Just trust him. It's worth it. And there's a perspective that we have, an ultimate hope of, of, of living in light of eternity when it's hard that, that's made worth it because of our destination, because of who He is, His goodness. Paul refers to this, kind of gets our eyes up in the same way with Romans eight eighteen. He says, I consider the sufferings, and we, we could easily add challenges. Maybe we're not being persecuted like this church is. He covers that in a minute. But I consider the sufferings, the challenges of this life to not be even uh, in this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is our perspective. Do you live, are you on mission with this perspective, Christian? Is this an intentional filter or lens through which you uh, endure the grind, remain faithful, uh, live on mission. Parent your kids, engage in your community, live your personal Christian life between you and the Lord, wrestling sin, serving others. Is this a lens, your ultimate destination of the the difficulty? He makes it worth it in this life in many ways. Can I just be really clear? But there is an ultimate hope that makes it well worth it. It's not even a question. As Paul says, it's not even worth comparing. And that can be offensive depending on what you've been through. And yeah, I stand here as a preacher of God's word, a mouthpiece for him, a messenger for him. It's not my words, it's his. The good that's coming, the destination that we have to look forward to, longing to be with him. The difficulty, the grind, the pain, the discomfort, the anxiety, the danger, the exhaustion. Not even worth comparing. Just wait. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so with that in mind, we can live in light of eternity with him that the Bible says that God has put eternity in the heart of man, and yet this is difficult for us to think about the nature of eternity. Anybody? Right? The glories of heaven. Right? We know what it feels like when a bad movie lasts forever, feels like it is, or like a sermon feels like it's going on forever. We we know what it feels like for something to not have an end, and then it finally does. We can kind of grasp eternity, but think about eternity past. Which will blow our minds and kind of create a framework for eternity future. This is the hope we have. The experiences we have now are blips on the radar. It's not fatalistic, it's our hope. It's going to be a foreign idea and yet all throughout Scripture we're encouraged to consider it, to to meditate on it, to imagine it with, with sanctified imagination what the glories of heaven and the nature of eternity will be is that that something you 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 stir up through song is often a great way to do it through meditating on being with your savior forever Christian sort of end with this but I was reminded of this really striking visual it's a painting called first day in heaven And and we don't know what heaven's going to be like. Are we going to fall on our faces because His glory overwhelms us? Maybe. We we have reason to believe that in Scripture. But I think the Scriptures also leave room for there to be a glorious reunion because of our love for Christ that might look something like this. I'm just saying, we, we don't know. But I don't think there's anything in Scripture with regard to our love for Jesus that would prevent us from perhaps responding this way. First day in heaven. And this provokes in us the the joy, the freedom of being with our Savior forever. Paul captures this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He captures both points. Our longing to be with Him forever and our, our encouragement to live in light of. Eternity with Him forever. Read with me 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Right. This is missional living. This is living the Christian life. Verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Let's read this last part together. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. That word for love, it's a modified form of agape. Uh, Some translations say, long for. All those who long for His appearing. One translation says, crave. All those who crave, who long for His appearing. The one who lived the life we couldn't live. If you're here this morning, you're outside of Christ. You're not a Christian. You don't have this eternal hope. You don't even have the, the purpose in life that, that a heavenly destination would give you. Can I encourage you to trust Christ today? Trust in Jesus, who loved you so much to live the life of perfect moral obedience that he knew you couldn't live. Stop trying. He died a death for your sin, not his own, for your sin that, that you deserve, that I deserve to die for my sin. Lived a life I couldn't, died a death I deserve, and then he rose from the grave, it's empty. No one's found the body, not even yet. He rose, giving us hope of our, our resurrection to be with him forever one day. So if you're here this morning and you can't imagine how your sins would be forgiven, Can't imagine how you could have purpose and hope and freedom in this life. That God would accept you the way that we talked about earlier with the sheep on the shoulders. He can't wait to do that. Would you trust Him today? Admit that you're the sinner that the Bible talks about and accept Him as the Savior that the Bible talks about. Be forgiven, reconciled to God today just by trusting in Jesus and have a hope to be with God forever. Reconciled in relationship. Where you, by the way, belong where you belong. This is Paul's ultimate perspective. May it be our ultimate perspective. And just to help us, we're going to sing again about this eternal hope to be with God forever. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your love for us. We we uh need this reminder that we are to long for and live in light of things like eternity and heaven. Give us more and more of a vision of those things, a framework for those things, an understanding for those things. Lord, and I'm I'm so humbled to imagine your joy to be with us forever. Lord, that this feels like maybe even quite literally in some ways, like pie in the sky sort of truth, may it hit the ground, rubber meet the road, to where every day our affections are compared to the ultimate desire that we have is to be back with you and that every step we take in mission and in life would be done so and lived out in light of, through the lenses of eternity with you one day, that that would be our destination. Help us to be one of the most practical truths we've ever heard I pray that it affects every hour of every day for the rest of our Christian life.